Did we ever tell you the story of how close our at our old apartment our bathroom ceiling came to falling down on our friend Austin? No. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen cinema and adult rom-coms. I am your co-host, Martha Sullivan, a YA librarian and a resident expert on what the teens is up to these days. <laughs> uh, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host. I'm Marin Higman, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast. And we are here today to talk about the hotly anticipated Amazon original uh, from this year, Red, White, and Royal Blue. Uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue was directed by Matthew Lopez and adapted by a book of the adapted from a book of the same name by Casey McQuiston, and it stars uh, Taylor Zakhar Perez as Alex Claremont Diaz. Nicholas Galitzine as Prince Henry, Uma Thurman as Ellen Claremont, um, Stephen Fry inexplicably as King James the Third of England. What? Uh, inexplicably? I'm okay. <laughs> I've been very, very well, well deployed, Stephen Fry. <laughs> uh, Ellie Bamber as Princess Beatrice, Rachel Hilson as Nora Halloran. Um, Sarah Shahi as Zara Bankston, uh, Akshay Khanna as Sean Sh- as Sean Sh- Shrivastava. Sorry, my text is very small. Um, amongst others, uh, Marin, would you like to give us a brief synopsis of Red, White, and Royal Blue? Sure. So red, lo- right, eh, when, right, eh, no, it just keeps happening. <laughs> red, white, and royal I know, blue. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Red, white, and royal blue uh, is the story of Alex Claremont Diaz um, and um, Prince Henry, uh, who have a uh, anti-meat cute, a uh, meet and hate each other. Um, they the first time. So Alex is the the son of the first female president. Uh, Henry is kind of the spare younger brother to the British throne. They rubbed each other the wrong way uh, the first time they met um, at a uh, function, and so they end up um, at a wedding. I believe it's Henry's older brother's wedding. Um, and their animosity results in the cake being ruined and there's uh, bad PR. So in order to, um, to mitigate the situation, they are thrown together um, and have to pretend to be good friends that it, and it was an accident. Um, from there, they start uh, – texting each other frequently and the fake friendship turns into a real friendship which then eventually turns into a secret friends with benefits uh situation um and it turns out henry has um like kind of had a crush on him um rather than just being rude to be rude um so threaded through that so while they're kind of going through and having their little secret romance um, Alex is trying to help get his mother reelected, and he's trying to convince the DNC 
uh, to put their efforts into turning Texas blue. Um, so you kind of got the pair, you know, the paired stories of Alex trying to do that and his and Henry's developing relationship. Um, they uh, have a um, you know a little sweet family vacation thing where Alex kind of they they accidentally uh, get outed uh, to Alex's family. They have this cute little vacation. Uh, with Alex's dad and some of their closest friends, but Henry bolts. He panics and bolts. Um, and Alex goes after him um, to the UK, and they have this sweet little date in the British Museum early in the morning. Oh, no, Victorian Albert Museum early in the morning, uh, where Henry explains why he's so reticent. Um, and then their relationship gets put out in the open anyway because they get hacked. Um and then uh alex's plan helps his mom win re-election in texas uh did i forget anything i feel like there are a lot of things i forget i did watch this movie a month a month ago uh mostly that alex and henry have to have a confrontation with with uh, henry's grandfather played by stephen fry where stephen fry is like we have to protect the a traditional image and Alex and Henry are both like, why? Um, and then off screen, we get the sounds of crowd, which I think we're supposed to assume are in support of Henry. But since the movie doesn't actually show it to us, who's well, to say for sure? Wait, no, they do. Um, they, they show them like on the news footage. We see signs. Yeah. So here, here is my big problem with this movie. Oh, boy. And I want to say first... Okay, so actually, let's. I'm going to start with the positives. I thought our two leads were great. I really enjoyed them together. Um, I thought they had a lot of really great chemistry. Um, I thought the performances with the exception of Uma Thurman, who must have just shown up for like six hours and been like, this is what it is. <laughs> um, I thought the performances were basically great. Um, and yeah, I really liked the leads. Um, my problem with this movie is that I didn't feel like it wanted, or I didn't feel like it was willing to engage with almost any of the conflicts that it sets up. Like, at the end of the day, they the these two guys like they don't ever actually have to deal with any of the problems that the movie puts forth. And I I kind of want to couch that and say that I'm I'm pro wish fulfillment. Like I don't think that queer relationships should have to go through the ringer every time in order to be on screen. But my problem was that the movie continually presents us with potential conflicts and then doesn't cash in on any of them. Like, if it if it had been less dedicated to telling us potential problems, I think that I would have less of an issue with the fact that none of them actually ended up being problems. Does that make sense? Well, I I think, though, that, like, the whole point is that this... Like, okay, I think the whole point is that their fears about 
what a public relationship between them would mean are unfounded. I I think that it and I I think wish fulfillment is a great um phrase to use here, but I don't think it's invalid to say, "Oh, here we were so worried about this being poorly received and it turned out people were largely fine with it." And I mean, I understand that in in our reality in the year 2023 that that would actually probably not be the case. Um, but I I don't think there's anything wrong um, in saying that they get to be supported and that, you know, maybe with the exception of Henry's grandfather, everybody is either supportive or kind of gets over it. Um, and, I mean, I'm sure but that I- we are meant to believe... And we're not shown that in some corner somewhere, whatever version of the Westboro Baptist Church exists in this universe is doing their hateful thing. But I think it's fine we don't see that. I I think that the idea that their conflict exists on the two the two levels of one, their willingness to commit to each other. Um, and I, I think that their you know, I think the movie is very explicit about saying, hey, because you are public figures, you you need to be serious about this relationship because before you come forward with it, I think in some ways, you know, they don't have the luxury to have a casual relationship that the way that people who do not live in the public eye do. But I think this movie is very clear about the they have the interpersonal as they're figuring each other out, figuring if this relationship is solid and works for them. And then they also have to think about the bigger picture of how this, you know, fits into their public lives. I think that's fine. And I think it's fine that the, you know, the movie has them. The conflict really ends up being on that personal level of Henry running away and getting scared and Alex having to chase after him. And then the... You know, there is the external conflict with his grandfather, but then it goes away. I think it's fine that the movie is focusing on, because it has all those levels, I think there's plenty of conflict in the movie. It's just focusing on the lower stakes conflict. Well, but I don't even think that the movie does enough to tell me that the lower stakes conflict is worth getting worried about. I think the movie does a lot of introducing the idea of conflict and then backing away almost immediately, where I would have liked it to kind of dig in and show me, like, show me how these guys problem solve. Like, they, I never felt like they had to figure anything out. It was just the world is going to shift around the two of them. Well, they had to figure out how to stuff into a closet. No, but like that's that's kind of my point. Like that scene is great. Like that scene. So Alex and Henry end up in a hotel room together on the night before um, his mother, President Uma Thurman, is going to announce or is going to get selected as the Democratic um, nominee, I believe. And the next morning, her campaign manager finds Henry in the closet and it turns into this whole thing. And 
it presents an idea of something that I think could have been really interesting to dig into, like the idea of how is this going to affect his mother's campaign? How is this going to affect, like, he wants to go into politics. How is this going to affect that? And then the movie just opts not to discuss it anymore. We get a very sweet conversation between Alex and his mother. Um, but even that is not really presented with any sort of substance or, like, I don't know. There's no there's no there there. Like, this, this movie felt to me like a puff of cotton candy, which was really sweet and pretty and enjoyable while I was eating it. But I think that if I had not finished watching it moments before you and I started recording, I would remember almost none of it because it doesn't really give you anything. It doesn't really leave you with anything to chew on. It's just like, oh, we thought things would be hard, but then they weren't. Hooray. Well, I mean, I still think that they, you know, they have to overcome their initial animosity. They have to you know, overcome, um, you know, Alex does have to overcome convincing his mom to let him try this campaign thing, you know, the campaign strategy to be in Texas and he has to work at it. We do see a nice montage of him there working. I, I think that, you know, Henry has to get over his, um, you know, he's buried himself so deeply in the closet due to, you know, his family image. I I think that, you know, him running away, I, I don't think they shy away from that. I mean, that's a whole probably five, ten minute scene of him running away and cutting Alex off. Um I I mean I think your issue here is that things get solved with one conversation. Um, but I don't think they don't acknowledge the issues. Um, I think my my problem is that things get solved only with the acknowledgement that there is an issue. I would argue they actually talk the things through. I mean, like that scene when, that you mentioned with Uma Thurman, I, I think it is actually fairly substantive where she's like, hey, like, I'm happy for you. I wish I could just say, hey, great, you're happy. But also, let's get some ice cream and pizza and talk about what this can mean and the fact that you're a public figure. Like, I think, you know, we might not see that whole scene, but like... I was going to say, that would be that would be great. That would be great if that was the scene that they gave us. That is the scene. We didn't get we didn't get all the nitty gritty, but they did give us the scene of like, hey, yep, you got to think about this as a public figure. I think that it's fine to do it in those shorthands because that's how, I mean, that's part of how rom-coms have always operated. Like... You, those kind of shorthand scenes have always existed at rom-coms. So I think that's fine. I mean, I think that that is just part of the language of this genre. Is that, you know, rather than um, you, you're going to get these signposting conversations. Because I think that the, the movie's focus is on seeing their relationship develop and... um seeing you know and earlier in the movie some of the wacky hijinks the cake scene the um uh, aforementioned him getting stuffed into a, a closet scene um but i think that rom-coms have always had these types of quick resolutions like 
It's no I different just... than Meg Ryan showing up at the garden and you've got mail and been like, oh, you've been lying to me this whole time. That's fine. And I mean, honestly, Except... I, I don't care either. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you you kissed Tom Hanks, girl. So I, I think it's I think it's no different than the rest of the genre. I would argue that because of the subject matter that this story would like to would like to engage more heavily in those topics, but then just opts not to. Like, I think that by virtue of the fact that this is a very political story, that it almost... This is a story about political figures that then chooses not to engage in politics, and that is weird to me. I think it chooses to... I think, as you said, I think wish fulfillment is the right word. I I think it I think the statement it's making is hey here's a world that has made enough progress that we can have a female president and the son of that president can come out into a queer relationship and is met with support. And I but I don't I, think and but I, think I don't that's think that's radical. Movie, I, I think that's great. Which again would be great except that I think the movie doesn't think that it lives in that world. I think it <laughs> like does. the movie is the movie still tries to tell us that this is a movie where Henry being gay is a problem, but then it's not. So uh, then it then my again wish my whole thinking is Henry's like Henry's worried he's gay. Or Henry's worried that him being gay is going to be a problem, and then it turns out it's not. Wish fulfillment. So are we to believe that Henry is so ignorant of the world that he lives in that it could just be like this entirely non-issue that he spent his entire life being worried about? I think we're led to believe that Henry's grandfather is living in the past and has outdated notions and that the populace in England, in whatever universe this exists, um, is ready to accept an openly queer son of a monarch. But I think Henry spent so much time around his grandfather and been so steeped and this belief, and I think it, it contrasts with Alex's parents, who, I mean, of all the things Alex is afraid about in this movie, coming out as queer to his parents is not one of them. So I, I think that, you know, I, I think that Henry is first and foremost, he knows his grandfather. Um, and I think he's afraid of his grandfather, not necessarily what the general population is going to think. I think the movie's trying too hard to have its cake and eat it too and ends up not really offering a satisfying story on either end. I also just so just going back to the the rom-com part of it. Um I could have used way more meat in the enemies to lovers part of the story. Like I I'm trying very hard not to compare it to the book because that is not a fair comparison ever. And I am not a person who believes that you can't have an adaptation that is satisfying in different ways. Um, but one of the things that I think the book does really well is shows us um, like the actual, the, the sort of pivoting point between these two people, like really not caring for each other and how that turns into the romance. 
Um, but the movie, it felt very much like I got thrown into a cake and then told that these two guys were now friends. <laughs> like, oh, I, I did not I, I didn't feel the- like the pacing I didn't feel like the pacing was very good on the enemies to lovers turnaround. I mean, I admit it got the enemies to lovers turnaround happened quicker than I thought it would, but I I thought they showed it. I don't think they shied away from it. There was the whole <laughs> montage of them doing um, basically PR visits together at the hospital, which, by the way, I would like to point out the facade of that hospital they go to is right near the bus stop where Pete and I missed the bus like three times when we were in London. Oh, no. So I was like, I know exactly where that hospital is. I have waited by there. Um, it's right next to Waterloo Bridge um, for the record. That hospital ruined my life. <laughs> um but no, I I think that montage did that pretty effectively. Um, where you know it showed them realizing that the other was not abhorrent, and and then we got, you know, the um, kind of them figuring out why they got off to a rocky start and made a bad first impression on each other and cleared that up. Like I. I think that, you know, that it happened a little earlier. Like, I kind of expected that to happen later. But it made sense. I mean, I think they didn't show... I mean, they did not show it. Um, and I think that they did... Uh, again, in a, in a classic language of... Well, not even just rom-coms. Movies everywhere. Like, they had a nice little montage there. And I think it was mostly effective. A little early. I will agree with you there. But... Yeah, I guess I guess what I really wanted was for the movie to sit in the con again, sit in the conflict for a little bit longer because I also think I'm a big fan of enemies to lovers kind of stories. Um and I think that when you get to sort of soak in the hostility a little bit longer, it makes the eventual hookup like that much more satisfying. Um but I, I did think that um, the pacing of that was weird. And I also thought it was weird. Um, maybe what I really wanted was more story for Henry. Mm. Because I do feel like Henry ends up doing a lot of telling rather than us sort of seeing. If it had been like a true um, yeah, I mean, this is Alex's, narrative. This is Alex's story. It's... It's Alex's story, and which makes it that much weirder when the emails get leaked and Henry, like, we suddenly are, like, in Henry's point of view. Like, it makes that shift almost jarring with how heavily the movie has been focusing on Alex up till then. Um, and maybe just more characterization for Alex would have then would have solved some of my problems or more characterization for Henry. Sorry. Um, his sister also ends up being like a total non-presence. And I thought that was kind of too bad because um, that actress was charming of what we got to see of her. Oh yeah. Love Ellie Bamber. Um, also Nora, the um, Alex's friend, Nora, who's like some Senator's daughter. At some point, just disappears from the movie. <laughs> and I believe like, oh, she is the she... vice president's daughter. 
Okay. Yeah. Like she was great. And then at some point she's just not there anymore. Uh, that, that also felt uh, weird. She was there. I mean, um, I know he had the bigger conversation cause she was there on the vacation thing. And then I know he had the bigger conversation with his mother's speech writer or aide or chief. I don't remember Zara's title. Um, I think she's I thought, the campaign manager. Okay. But I okay. thought he had a conversation with Nora in there too, after the hack. Um, did he? Yeah, maybe. But yeah, she was she was around at least through the trip, and I think she wasn't she the one who told him to go after Henry, because he has a scene. There's a scene where she's in some strategy meeting, and he pulls her out, and she's like, "Go get your boy." Yeah. So she's she's around fairly through most of the movie. Well, the the vacation stuff happens about halfway through. Okay. Well, um, and maybe from it, their point of view, they tried to see the structure as like the first half is Alex's story and the second half is Henry's story. Um, yeah, and, and then, then this time, yeah, and that that is a totally legitimate. Um, yeah, that would have been totally legitimate. I just, it felt like, and I think this is sort of the crux of all of my feelings about it, mm. is that at some point it felt like there were too many balls in the air for the movie to handle. So the movie was just like, we were juggling this ball, but now we're just going to let it go because we have other stuff to do. Um, I don't I don't know that it handled very well all of the different things that it was trying to to kind of keep in the air which left me feeling a little unsatisfied by what we got um i mean i think what you're feeling is it shortchanged henry's siblings and family um in terms of any character development but i don't think it put anything out that it didn't resolve i i think what you're feeling is just that the movie resolved things more quickly than you would have wanted. But I don't think there was yeah. anything left out hanging. Um, no, I, I just think, I I think the movie substituted quick resolution for anything, for like a satisfying resolution. I don't know, I thought it was satisfying. I mean, I think, again, it's, I I go back to the purpose of this movie is not... Not to really imagine what a British prince and a an American politician some would go through in the world that we live in developing a queer relationship. I I think that this is the type of story that heterosexual couples have always gotten. I mean, please look at um oh my god. What's the movie with Mandy Moore? Chasing Liberty? Chasing Liberty? And, mm-hmm. Or First Daughter with Katie Holmes? Like, I think this is the queer version of that. And, I mean, those are both movies that, like, I have not seen them in probably two decades. But, like, oh, the Mandy Moore one had Matthew Good, didn't it? God. He's so attractive. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, But both of those movies had blink too hard and think about them and they fall apart i feel like first daughter was a little better than chasing liberty if i remember correctly but i probably am not 
Um, oh, and there was also the, let's not forget, the Disney Channel original movie, My Date with the President's Daughter. My Date with the President's Daughter, an we, eternal classic. Exactly. We'd be remiss. So I, I think that these type of movies, even as a micro genre, have existed for heterosexual couples for, I mean, God, those movies are over 20 years old now, which is crazy to think about. So I think that this is a queer version of this. And I, I think that it is a radical act to say, hey, we are going to take these light, breezy stories that heterosexual couples have always been given, and we're going to give them to queer people. This is a story about two people that go through a public relationship. And I mean, I think that we have always been interested in these type of stories about public figures. I mean, there's a whole booming industry of, I think it's actually more in the sports romance, but there are billionaire romances. There are, I mean, I did not have a hard time thinking of my read-alike for this one because there's plenty to choose from of you know, books that get written in this type of subgenre of like fake public figures. Like this is something that we have always, I mean, heck, I'm pretty sure that I've heard of, or heck, even go back to Roman Holiday. Like this has existed for so long. And and I think it is perfectly legitimate. And I I think an important step in, saying, hey, we're going to make this same type of movie that straight people have always gotten, and we're going to make it queer. And I I think that it's, um, I think that it knows what it is. And I, I think that's what it is. I think it, this is a queer chasing liberty or first daughter. Um, and I, I think that that has an important place. I agree with you. I think that this movie is trying to be more than that. Um, I think that if that was the movie that they were trying to make, it would have treated um, Alex and Henry's queerness in a similar, in a more similar way to Schitt's Creek, which truly does not um, comment on the fact that the the main characters are queer like at all i i think the movie you're describing i agree with you that that kind of movie is important i don't think that's what this movie is i think this movie hinges too much on the fact of assuming that the audience i think this movie functions too much on the assumptions of how we in this real world would treat that kind of relationship to be that kind of wish fulfillment movie that you're describing I don't think it ends up focusing enough on either the potential conflict between the queerness of their relationship or the fact that they're both political figures to really resolve either of those conflicts in a way that matters. I mean... But I agree with you. I also think that there should be room in media for romances of all kinds um and i don't think that every queer rom-com has to completely reinvent the wheel um i'm yeah i mean besides alex 
coming out to himself and his family. Like, I think that, um, I don't know. I think it, it, and not that I would say the queerness of it is incidental. It definitely, obviously is fundamentally part of it, but I don't think it, I think that saying, hey, yeah, we're going to make this a part of this film, but it's not going to, you know, we're not going to punish our characters. I mean, I think that's all I don't think anyone up. needs to be. I don't think anyone needs to be punished, but the like the coming out aspect of it is clear. Like it's the main part of Henry's storyline. Like Henry thinks that he lives in our world. He does not know that he lives in his world. Yeah, and I think it's fine to say. No, it turns out he lives in a better world than we do. <laughs> and I'm happy for him. Like I really am. I, I felt I, I felt quite a lot of affection towards our boys by the end of this movie. And a lot of that is the um the two actors who, like I said before, I thought were great. Oh yeah. I don't know. I I think this movie handled it with as much conflict as any rom com handles the conflicts within it. I don't think it I I think that it didn't shy away from the conflict but it also didn't marinate in it and i think that's pretty normal um for any rom-com like to me it struck me as a very typical balance of those things um because i i mean i think yeah it's a it's a glossy I mean, there's literally a whole scene. I, I was hearing some interview about how much buttercream they had to make for that cake. Like, it's literally like sugar in the forefront. And it cost, what, 75,000 pounds? Probably. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, so I, I um. think, yeah, I think that It's clear that that balance didn't hit for you. Um, I think that. But I think for me, it just kind of struck me as like, yeah, this is what. You know, this is coming. This is drawing from that whole legacy of that whole subgenre. Well, and it definitely speaks the language of the rom-com really well, like the visual. I thought it spoke the visual language of what it was doing. Uh, in a very, um, very well put together way. Um, there are a couple of moments, like the the fact that we don't get to see the the crowd except in like a reflection on the window or in um, a TV screen. I was a little disappointed in that. I thought that could have been a really cool, yeah. like final shot, a camera pan over like a crowd waving. Um, signs or rainbow flags i thought that could have been a really like powerful final shot um but otherwise i really enjoyed the polo scene i thought that was very fun um i i thought that the i mean the the relationship itself between the two men worked for me because they are both so uh like so charming and so charming together um yeah thought it looked great i enjoyed this i enjoyed the um like the settings 
Um, I thought the costuming could have been a little more interesting, but I guess when we're talking about two like second tier political men, it's going to be a lot of suits and t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually would have been a fun way to bring um, Henry's sister in a little bit more. Like, give her a very, uh, like, uh, like the the real Princess Beatrice. Like, give her a real kick ward- kicky wardrobe. Could have been fun. Um, yeah, I mean, that struck me, though, as very in line with what someone in position would wear. I... I think she could have been a little more interesting. Kate gets to be a little more interesting than that. Yeah, does she though? Does she though? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um. All right. Well, now that we're speaking about the performances, more kind of the meta stuff. Are you ready for me to blow your brain? Absolutely, do it. Okay. Do you know what other role? Uh, so apparently, uh, Nicholas. Uh, Gal- I'm not. I'm not gonna pronounce this correctly. Nicholas Galitzine, who plays Henry, apparently is just some type of chameleon. Because I literally had to sit down for a full five minutes when I learned that he played the male lead in Drumroll, please, Purple Hearts. I need you to promise that you'll forgive me. Okay. What is Purple Hearts? Oh, okay. Purple Hearts is the movie everybody was talking about last year. It um I did not make you watch it cuz you would have hated it. That's right. I guess I should not have expected you to see it. Um but basically the storyline is a uh um in order to get insurance This is the mili- This yes. is the military one. The military. One. Okay. I do remember talking about this with you, but I'm going to let you summarize it for our audience anyway. Yeah, and uh, I don't remember what she does. Is she uh, a... Okay, she is... uh, Oh, a singer. That's right. Okay, she is a singer. She desperately needs health insurance. Uh, She meets and immediately hates this military guy. Um, He needs the bump in pay from being married for reasons... Um, so they decide to do a marriage of convenience. And the internet exploded. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, uh, the man has so range. He's the, he's the dude? He's yep. the dude in that? So is he, is he a British actor or was this British accent an, F, an oh, affectation? No. He is British. He is, in fact, the British expat son of former, like, Russian aristocrats who fled from the revolution. Well, I guess he's not technically an expat then, but, like, he is a, he is a, a British person who, yeah, is descended from Russian aristocrats who moved to the UK fleeing the revolution. That is a wild story you just told me. Yup. The man has range. I'm just saying. I, uh, I'm very curious to see what he does next. Fantastic. Um. Yeah. I got nothing. I got nothing. That's okay. incredible. No okay. notes. <laughs> yep, yep. Again, I had to sit down 
I I had to fully sit down for like five minutes. Uh, so you briefly alluded to it earlier, but what would you recommend our listening audience uh, chase red, white, and royal blue with? Oh yeah, I did not think about this one that hard. Um, I would recommend they chase it with the royal we. Um, I feel oh. like the original of the British prince pastiche. Um. Uh, yeah, which is uh, basically a uh, what if Kate Middleton was a girl from Muscatine, Iowa. Um, yeah, really bad. Yeah, that is the plot of that book. Um, I, I love that book so much. Have you read the sequel? No, I couldn't bring myself to read the sequel. Just because like the shenanigans in that book were that much, I was a little nervous. Will like, you... Will you read the sequel if I tell you that it has a happy ending? I'm more likely to. I enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed it a lot. Okay. Well, you made me more open to reading the sequel. I will say the sequel is rough. Like, it gets into some heavy stuff. But, again, happy ending. Okay. Okay. That does make me more likely to (laughs) seek it out. And, Martha, what would you recommend? So I am going to recommend something that is similarly on theme, but a little differently flavored. I'm going to recommend the book Tokyo Ever After by Emiko Jean. Uh, This book is about uh, a girl named Izumi who has been living with her single mother in California for her whole life. Uh, until she finds out at 17 that her previously unknown father is the crown prince of Japan. So she flies out to Japan to get to know her dad and to know his family as the, uh, you know, newly newly found crown princess uh, and uh, starts to have a little something cooking with her security guard who is like handsome and stoic and supportive um but it is very red white and royal blue by way of crazy rich asians she has to deal with a lot of very questionable family members um her grandmother who is very disapproving of the fact that her father and her mother are not married um is just there's a lot in there that really satisfies my like royal fairy tale wish fulfillment but then also the the drama sweet tooth that i've got sounds also kind (laughs) of like some some princess diary vibes yep for sure for sure and the the movie with amanda Bynes that we covered on this podcast oh yeah london call isn't london calling am i wrong what a girl wants what a girl wants they just play london yes Yes, they play London Calling a lot. <laughs> they do. They do. Uh, so, any final thoughts on Red, White, and Royal Blue? Um. Again, I will just leave you all with: What on earth is Nicholas Gellet Zine going to do next? Because, oh boy, I will be interested. <laughs> Uh, so for our next episode, we are going to be covering Love Again, which is another 2023 release. Um, we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about that. Uh, until then, uh, Marin, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, folks can find me on Twitter at 
a underscore star underscore danced, where I mostly tweet about romance novels these days. So if that interests you, feel free to give me a follow. Yeah, and you can find me at all the places um, at Magical Martha, including Twitter, Blue Sky, and Instagram. I am on TikTok and Tumblr as the Libratrix. That's T H E L I B R A T R I X. Uh, you can follow the show at all the places at DYDYH Podcast on the shared social media uh, feeds with our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework? Uh, Did You Do Your Homework? Uh, updates on opposing weeks to this one and is a show that I host with Marin's uh, husband, Pete, where we talk about pop culture in through an academic lens. Our upcoming episode on that is going to be on Edgar Allan Poe in anticipation of the new Mike Flanagan Netflix project, Fall of the House of Usher. So be sure to check that out. I also write a newsletter at tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha that I update whenever I feel like it. I am currently engaged in a deep dive of the Disney 2D animated canon, which I'm revisiting in release order and publishing an entry after every decade of films. So I just put out my 60s issue. I'm currently working my way through the movies of the 70s. Uh, and it's been a really interesting journey so far. There's some some interesting stuff <laughs> in that back catalog. I believe that is going to do it for us. Uh, so thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Until then, just remember that we love you. The end. Woo, we did it.